Tonight's reading is Daniel chapter 3, verses 19 through 30. Then Nebuchadnezzar was so filled with rage against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that his face was distorted. He ordered the furnace heated up seven times more than it was customary and ordered some of the strongest guards in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the furnace of blazing fire. So the men were bound, still wearing their tunics and their trousers, their hats and their garments, and they were thrown into the furnace of blazing fire. Because the king's command was so urgent and the furnace was so overheated, the raging flames killed the men who lifted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But the three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down, bound into the furnace of blazing fire. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up quickly. He said, that his, he said to his counselors, Was there not three men that were thrown bound into the fire? They answered the king, True, O king. He replied, But I, was, I see four men unbound walking in the middle of the fire, and they are not hurt. And there is a fourth, has the appearance of a god. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the door of the furnace of blazing fire and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire, and the satraps and the prefects and the governors and the king's counselors gathered together and saw that the fire had not had any power over their bodies of those three men. The hair of their heads had not been singed, their tunics were not harmed, and not even the smell of fire came off of them. Nebuchadnezzar said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent this angel and delivered his servants who, trust, who trusted in him. They, distorted the king, they disobeyed the king's command and yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any god except their own god. Therefore I make a decree. Any person, nation, or language that utters blasphemy against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb and their houses laid in ruins. For there is no other god who is able to deliver in this way. Then the king pr promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Abednego in the province of Babylon. The word of the Lord. As many of you know, we have been reconsidering children's Bible stories as grown-ups. Um, the idea being that these stories that we learned, so many of us early on, were reinterpretations of the biblical stories, and um, that maybe in those reinterpretations, some of the theolo theology maybe got... Uh, well, just twisted, I'll say it straight out. And that maybe that had an influence on some of us as we grew up, how we understood what God is like. And so we've been reading these stories and going back and um, reinterpreting them and reclaiming them or, I don't know, making fun of them. Um, but really just trying to look at, really it's the context that they come out of, they're interpreted. And that context generally seemed to have been 1950s America. And so a lot of the theology is t 
twisted into fit uh, some cultural norms of the time. That's what we've been doing. Um, and so we've been doing it for about eight months now. I'm a little sick of it, frankly. Um, it's because uh, all the stories, these more ones that lend themselves to these children's Bible stories sorts of ways, they're a little bit, um, I don't know, childish, I think. You know, they're just like kind of simple. And, and uh, so, but, so I thought, well, you know, I wonder if, if we as a people have somehow, because of a certain context, um, twisted and uh, damaged spiritually our youngsters with Bible stories and handicapped them as adults, shackled them limping towards an acceptable theology free from uh, shame. I wonder if that same kind of crippling activity was done to, um, in, by other faiths, you know, to their children. Um, so the first time I was a little bit bored of these, I thought I'd look around and see what other stories, what other people are doing. And I did find that there are, you know, there are a lot of Muslim children's stories, of course, and Jewish children's stories, and um, all kinds. Even if uh, they don't have particular faiths, uh, a particular holy scripture that they're riffing on, certainly there's um, folk tales that bring up spiritual values and, and um and, but I don't see the good thing here. I don't have any of the angst with other people's stories because I don't know if they're distorting their idea of their God or not. I don't really know what their, their theology well enough. So I can just look at them. But anyway, I thought what I'd do, since we do actually have some children in, in the house today, and I'm talking to you, pointing vaguely. Um, and so, uh, listen, I'm just going to tell you some of these stories and... Uh, Maybe we can just look a little bit at what cultural, their context brings them to highlight in the stories. So I'll just begin randomly. He explained to all of them the beauty of all his creation, his power and his wisdom, and how idol worship was detested by Allah. For Allah is the Lord of the universe who created us all and guides us and provides us with food and drink and um, cures us when we're sick and who will cause us to die and be raised up again. It was Allah to whom Abraham prayed and who would forgive his sins on the day of judgment. However, all his people would not give up the idolatry which they clung fast to. And even um, Abram's father, Terek, was indeed an idolater, a maker and seller of idols. And one day he went out to attend an important festival across the river and he put his son, Abraham, in charge of selling the idols. But Abram's heart was not in it. When a man came up and he wanted to purchase one, he would say to the man, how old are you? And the customer would say, 50 or 60 or 61. And Abram would reply, Woe to the man who is 60 years old and desires to worship something that is just one day old. And the customer would be ashamed and leave. He would, so all the people, they left for this festival. And Abram waited until the city was empty. And then he came out cautiously. And he went to the temple and saw that it was deserted, for everybody was at the festival. And all the priests were at the festival. So Abraham went there carrying a sharp axe, and he took it, and he looked at the stone and wood statues 
um, of these gods and the food laid in front of them as offerings. And he approached one of the statues and he asked the statue, the fruit in front of you is getting cold, why don't you eat? And the statue kept silent, rigid. And Abraham asked the other statue, will you not eat? Look at this offering before you. He mocked these statues because he knew they would not eat and they could not. And once again he asked, what is the matter with you, won't you speak? And then he raised the axe and he started smashing all the false gods worshipped by the people. He destroyed all of them except the biggest one. And on the biggest one, he hung around his neck the axe. So when his father came back and said, who did this? Who did this? And Abraham said, would I hide anything from you, my father? And then after everyone left, after, he said, after everyone left for the festival, I heard a sound in the temple and I crept close and I heard, and then I saw the biggest God demanding food from all the others, all the others. And then he took an ax and he smashed all, every one of them. His father said, are you making fun of me? Do they know anything? And Abraham answered, shall your ears not hear what your mouth is saying? And he took Abraham and he handed him over to King Nimrod. And Nimrod said, we worship the fire. And Abraham if said, if so, let us worship the water that extinguishes the fire. And he says, you are speaking nonsense. I bow only to the fire, and I will throw you in it. So let God, who you bow down to, come and save you from that fire. And at once he took Abraham, and he bound him, and he went to the fiery furnace, and the fire, he threw him in it. And the fire would not burn Abraham. He stayed in the fiery furnace, and Abraham heard God speak to him and said, Abraham, bring yourself out of this place where they worship idols and throw you in this furnace. Bring yourself out of this place, out of your father's house, out of your homeland to a land that I will see you. And Abraham left the furnace unharmed and left the land of his father. Kind of similar to something we've heard before, but we see like here in this, in this suffering, in this furnace, God shows up and calls Abraham out, picks him particularly, calls him to a special, to be a special people. In the midst of his suffering, God calls him out. So you heard the, now let me just tell you another one, was the one we just read. The, um, it's um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And if you thought you heard it a lot of times in that short 10 verses that he read, I think it's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is in chapter 3 of Daniel uh, 417 times. It's repeated over and over again. I don't know why, but how could you not use it in a hip-hop song? after all that. Um, so the whole idea here, and I'm going to just cut this short because we're here a little bit, but um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are, um, were brought in from Judah, slaves captured by uh, the king of Babylon, and Nebuchadnezzar decides for some reason, I don't know, to build a giant golden statue, 90 feet tall, and place it there and get all the people to come and bow down and worship it. And of course, um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I guess you can't not say that. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego decide they were not going to do it. They do not bend down. And some other people say, hey, look, they're not bending down. They're not going to worship this god you made, this idol. 
So the king gets mad and says, you better worship the idol or I'm going to throw you in the fiery furnace. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, again, refuse. So he gets mad, and this is where we came in the story. He gets so mad, he says, crank up that furnace seven times hotter than it's ever been before and throw them in the fire. And this gets really, you know, pretty specific in some of the stories. They bind them, they get the strongest men to bind, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and it's so hot, this furnace, that when they are going to throw them in, the people throwing them in burn to a crisp, is what it says. I think in the Hebrew, I don't know exactly, but it's something like that. It burns to a crisp. And um, so everybody watches them in this fire that's so raging, they see them in there. Well, now I'm up to the children's um, story version of this. So in, they see them in there. And there's four people in there instead of three. And the, and the king freaks out. He can't believe it. What's going on in there? And he calls to them. And they come out, the three of them, there haven't been burned. And he says, truly, your God has saved you. You have been saved by your God from all my ways. I now bow down to your God and will worship him. And, um, the, you know, the God, your God is the greatest God and will save you. And then he gives them all promotions. So I think what we see in this one, uh, the cultural context is uh, whatever you got to do to get ahead at work. Um, and also that your God will save you. That's it. Your God will save you seems to be the interest. In, from when you are in suffering, your God, 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 I don't mean to say your God. I think we're on the same page, but I don't want to impose anything. Um, God, our God, will save you. Yeah. Then there's another one, kind of like it. It's very similar, and I only got a couple left, so youngsters, hold on. So this last one kind of uh, tells the whole story, and then it says, um, the Hebrew names of Daniel friends, Daniel's friends were Haniah, which means Yahweh is gracious, and Mishael, which means who else is like our God? And Azirah, which means Yahweh has helped us. But when the king first brought them in, he decreed that no one could have their names that referred to their old gods. So he changed all three of their names and gave them Chaldean names. Which I don't know if you've ever seen those Chaldean names. They're not as good. Um, but so... Haniah became Shadrach, and Mishael became Meshach, and Azariah became Abednego. And so Shadrach means, I bow to the god of the moon. And Mishael's name means, um, the god of the moon is the greatest. And Abednego's name means, I am a servant of the sun god. So they didn't like those names. Then this part of the story says, when they were thrown into this fire that was so hot, all of a sudden they're inside and they see a figure coming towards them and they hear somebody calling them by name, calling them by their original names, by Haniah, Michelle, and Azariah. And they see that it is, some, says, someone like the Son of God. And the Son of God calls them by their name and they praise him and that's how that story ends
It doesn't, they don't even get out of the fire in that story. So it seems to me in this context that it's like God is with them in their suffering and that that is what is important in this tale to teach your children, that God is with you in the suffering. So this tale is kind of like, as far as folktale goes, it's something that's uh, kind of like a genre of folktale that's known sometimes as the disgraced and reinstated master, um, minister, I mean, the disgraced and reinstated minister or servant tale. Just like we've seen here, somebody who's a servant of the king and the king says do something or they do something wrong and so they're disgraced and they're going to get punished and um, then they do something somehow that raises them back up to uh, esteem in their um, ruler's eyes and they're reinstated. And I found this one Afghani tale that doesn't do the fire thing as much as the other ones and the idol worship thing as much as the other one, but has the same kind of tone going through it. And this is the final one, I'll tell you. So, um, there once was a minister who fell from grace, pretty explicitly a disgraced minister tale. There once was a minister who fell from grace, and he left the court and joined a group of dervishes. By virtue of their company, he achieved peace of mind and a reformed character. The ruler soon changed his mind and decided to reinstate the disgraced minister. The man refused and said, I prefer to live in retirement than to busy myself with politics. Whoever opts for a quiet life is free to forget the snarling calamities of rivalry. I may no longer have the minister's special pen case I may have torn up all my papers, but at least I no longer have to put up with bad mouthing from my critics. The ruler replied, I always need a competent and wise man to help me run the state. The sign of a wise man, the ex-minister replied, is precisely not to be taken in by false attractions of politics. Why is the huma superior to other birds? Because it is content to live off dry bones and thus never oppresses any other living thing. Have you heard the story of the lynx? It was asked why it chose to serve in the court of the lion and replied that at court it could live safely, protected from its enemies and well-fed with the leftovers of the king's meals. The lynx also asked why it did not, was asked why it did not, like other courtiers, maneuver to get itself into the innermost circle of the lion's most trusted companions, whereupon it said, I cannot be safe from the king's anger if I am too close to him. The Zoroastrian can spend his whole life tending to the fire he worships. The fire will burn him up close nonetheless if he ever falls into it. Your Majesty's companion never know whether they will make a fortune or lose their heads. Let politics and flattery, and let the politicians flatter and lie and cheat their way to the top. I know my own human worth. That dignity is enough for me. Doing what you are told by the people who rule, oh, dignity is enough for me. So doing what you are told by the people who rule over you and this idolatry and this suffering for your beliefs, all these tales, they come from some similar impulse uh, behind these stories. But at their context, bring out different understandings, different places, different things they need from God. Sometimes we need God to save us 
from our suffering. Sometimes we need God to call us out of our suffering to something new. Sometimes we just need to know that God is present with us in our suffering. And sometimes we just need to know it's okay to walk away from it all. I don't know which one you need today. Let us come together in this mystery of faith.